This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, America, you sick, twisted freak. We've got a great show for you, a great podcast. You don't want to miss a second of it. Uh, we have Bob Woodson on, a guy you've probably never heard of. This guy is outstanding. Facts that you've never heard before on the truth, on America and slavery. This guy is, I mean, I, I, I really, I want, to, I want to invite him over and just have him be on the show every day. In fact, he's coming back tomorrow. Hopefully on tomorrow's podcast as well. Don't miss a second of that. Um, we uh, we also go into the most dangerous story of the day. It is something that I think you really, really need to pay attention to. And uh, and uh, it just is at that point now to where it's all coming. The chickens are coming home to roost, if I may quote Jeremiah Wright. Um it is it now is the time where we really have to be very very careful uh and you'll hear all about that and why i say this is the most important story of the day it's where we start on today's podcast you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program I want to talk to you about what I think is the most important story of the day. And it comes from The Hill. And the headline is just Facebook boycott gains momentum. All right. Doesn't sound like a a big deal, right? Facebook is coming under mounting pressure from major companies to rein in hateful content on their platform or risk further loss of ad revenue. In the past week, companies like Patagonia, The North Face, Ben and Jerry's, REI, have joined the Stop Hate for Profit campaign organized by civil rights groups in the wake of police killing of George Floyd. Organizers of the Facebook boycott acknowledge that while previous efforts to change Facebook's platform have fallen short, the national focus on racial injustice has put the spotlight on all aspects of life, including social media. Now, here you have big tech that already defines hate speech as this speech, any speech that disagrees with what the mob is saying. That's hate speech. They already agree with it. They are already limiting speech. They're already demonetizing people. They kicked two people off just in the last two days. They are coming for us one by one as it is. Now you have the advertisers um, organized by the same people that put me out, put all of us out. The same people who have been boycotting Rush Limbaugh forever. You now have those people coordinating the efforts on Facebook. And with what's happening, what do you think is going to happen? Quote, this is from Jonathan Greenblatt, uh, the CEO of the Anti-Defamation League. 
I think the country is reckoning with this legacy of systematic racism in a way that it hasn't before. You see this playing out in the public square, and it seems to be playing out in the political arena. That environment, I think, creates the conditions in which this advertising pause has so much appeal. Notice they call it a pause and not a boycott. Because I don't think they know if they can survive without Facebook and Google. You don't know who's going to win on that battle. I would just like to say to Jonathan Greenblatt, uh, you should watch... What is the HBO show that's out now? Uh, the something of America. I've been watching it. It's really, it's really, really good about Charles Lindbergh uh, winning the 1940 election or 1939 election instead of uh, instead of uh, Roosevelt, and it shows how they were just the Jews are just sold out, just sold out. If you actually think. While you're there running the Anti-Defamation League, that the people of Black Lives Matter are your friends, you are insane. You are absolutely insane. So the ADL, the NAACP, Sleeping Giants, Color of Change, Free Press, and Common Sense have launched the Stop Hate for Profit campaign last week, calling on companies to pull their advertising dollars from Facebook for the month of July. There's been a lot of misinformation, says James Steyer, founder of and CEO of Common Sense. He said, after Floyd's death, there's been a ton of hate and white supremacist content on the platform, and they just ignore it. Really? <sighs> the rhetoric are glor- is glorifying violence. The groups behind the current boycott are calling for Facebook to, among other things, create a threshold for harm where users face uh, users facing harassment can speak directly with an employee, an internal mechanism for removing ads labeled as misinformation and system for flagging content uh, in private groups. So. They want more restrictions. By the way, we have been flagged over and over again. This is how they are limiting our voices, because if you get enough people to uh, let Facebook know that you think that that's misinformation, and if you get USA Today, ABC News, NBC to say what you're saying is misinformation, you're banned. They're already doing this. Although the campaign was just launched last week, they already received more than a dozen corporate sponsors, uh, outerwear companies, including Eddie Bauer, were some of the first to join, pledging to stop buying advertisements on Facebook and Instagram for July. The web browsing company Mozilla, shipping company Local Postal, film distributor uh, distributor, uh, Magnolia Pictures, and global freelancing platform Upwork have also joined the campaign. As the world's largest on-demand remote talent platform, we're committed to building a safe and inclusive space for companies and professionals, says the CEO of Hupwork. Uh, We cannot stand by and be complicit or complacent about the spread of hate, racism, and misinformation. 
Greenblatt suggested more companies are likely to add their names to the list. We've had a lot of incoming advertising agencies and other big, big brands who are thinking about it. And I think you'll see that more will come online in the days ahead. 360i, a digital advertising firm with clients like Spice Maker, McCormick and Company, consumer giant Unilever, and Discover Financial Services sent an email to clients last week advising them to join the ad boycott. David Kirkpatrick, author of The Facebook Effect and founder of uh, Techno, I don't know, Techomedy, uh, called the potential of the boycott campaign historic. I think there's a small number of really global influential advertisers that would gain the attention of Facebook in a way that nothing else ever has. So they're going to start cracking down. Why am I telling you this? Because everything that I told you was coming is now here. These are the times. I literally would like you to thank God for the blaze because it is only because of him that I started it. It is only because of him that we said we're going to build a platform that does not rely on advertising. We're going to build a platform that will be open to all voices that are coming under attack. If you believe in the Constitution of the United States, you have a home here. I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't know how long, but the blaze is one of the platforms now and others are not built the same as ours. We have been talking to other platforms for a while. And I think with coronavirus, they they kind of woke up uh, and hopefully they are changing some of the things that they do. I am open to talking to any other platform about what makes us different and what makes us a little more stable. But I also am open to talking to any talent that is that is uh, on the ropes right now. There must be some place that is preserved and is a defender and is a voice of America. I also put out a call today, please. And I have asked people who are like minded and I think they thought I was crazy when I said it. But I am putting a call out right now to people who are in Silicon Valley who see what's going on and know that. The only voices that are important at times like these are the ones of dissent. You cannot have lockstep thinking. You cannot do it. If you want to survive, you must have people that think differently to at least present another point of view. The Constitution of the United States, the Bill of Rights is under attack. And I don't know if there is going to be a voice outside of the public square. And I ask people in the tech industry, is there anyone within the sound of my voice that is thinking about the ability to have a voice of America outside of America? Some place where we can be safe and be free and can actually get into America this point of view. Because freedom of speech is on the ropes. 
And I believe we could be, I think we could be living in a completely different America by Christmas. This is not hyperbole. And I want to speak directly to those people who are living in the center of the country. I got an email from somebody who lives in Los Angeles, and I got the same, almost the same email from my daughter, uh, who, who was up here at the ranch for the last couple of months in Idaho. And she just went back to Dallas. I had a guy who was up here. He's one of my researchers. He was up with me working on this July 2nd uh, project. And he was up here for about three weeks. He had been uh, down uh, by, you know, uh, St. George uh, for about a month before that because he lives in Los, Los Angeles and he got out of the city with COVID. So this is the first time he's gotten back to L.A., He wrote me this morning and he said, Glenn, maybe we're missing it. The classic narrative is the attack on Fort Sumter kicked off the Civil War. Yes, that is officially true. But the first violence between the North and the South, including localized rioting and looting, started months before that. The path to Fort Sumter wasn't quiet and peaceful, nor was the breakout of military hostilities a surprise. Honestly, it had been a 10 plus year buildup. But in the key weeks and months ahead of Sumter, it had become very obvious it was an inevitability. In the, uh, in the Civil War, uh, or no, sorry, is the Civil War II already underway? The other side is already fighting it. They're using violence to overthrow the United States Constitution and the government. Our side, the pro-USA side, sits and asks for constructive dialogue. We kneel and apologize and give them every inch they demand. Back then, southern governors advocated their citizens to arm themselves. Already, they had declared martial law in Kentucky and Virginia by the time Sumter rolled around. Now, BLM and Antifa are walking the streets armed. They're attacking members of Congress, attacking police. They have taken over U.S. territory by force. They have torn down hundreds of public monuments, local, state, and federal. We may as well just say it. The war is already here. They're not protesting. This is not civil unrest and looting. This is not about police reform or policy changes or income inequality. This is insurrection by anti-American Marxist forces and millions of useful idiot supporters bent on the violent overthrow of the United States of America. There is no way to interpret the data in front of us any other way. You may be right to stay up in Idaho. Because I'm in L.A. right now, and I can't tell you the level of tension you can feel just walking around a grocery store. It's palpable. Such a striking distance, a difference from being in St. George or Idaho. Politeness and civility are completely absent even in casual interactions here. The Marxists have already enjoyed victories over police departments. How long before it's a National Guard weapons depot? Fort Sumter was about claiming American cannons, remember? Powder guns. The buildup to the Civil War looked eerily similar to what we're seeing today. Localized violent clashes and those insurrection taking up arms against official government authorities and the insurrection southernist Democrat media fanning the flame. The other side is already mobilized. We're still in the denial phase. 
After all, we haven't had to fight Marxists directly since 1974 in Vietnam and indirectly via the Cold War since 1989. We might be a bit rusty. Now they are in our midst, our sons, our daughters, our neighbors, and we're paralyzed because the implications of what we're facing are horrifying. But they just might be real. My daughter wrote to me yesterday and said, Dad, I think I want to come back up. It is tense here. It doesn't feel the same. I want you to know, for those of you who are out there like I am right now, you're not in one of the major cities. It is different there. It is. I, I am in this small town right now in Idaho that just feels the same. And you're watching things on TV and, and it's still disconnected from you. It doesn't feel that way in the major cities. I share this with you because we have got to wake up, stand up, stand together, and know exactly what we believe. What I said earlier about the blaze, thank God, I mean it. Thank God for the place. Thank God for the things that he has told other individuals to do, and they have done it. Thank God for those individuals uh, f- for having the the wherewithal to do those things when it didn't make any sense at all. I don't know what he's doing, but he is doing something profound, and we all must stand in our place that he is directing us. And that is always a place of love and honor and integrity. Always. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. All right. I know what you're thinking. People ask me all the time, Glenn, how on earth do you maintain that unbelievably handsome figure? (laughs) It's not easy to have a body like this. I start at 4 a.m. by running two miles. Then I bike back do I don't know, 750 crunches, finish the morning with hours of hot yoga. Okay, obviously, I don't do any of that. Uh, What I usually do is sit my fat butt down on the couch at night and I eat a bowl of ice cream because I really have a sweet tooth. And my wife has been saying to me for a while, you got to try these built bars. It's like you're eating a candy bar. And I'm like, no, it's not. Are they protein bars? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's like eating the doormat. Okay. And then I got desperate. I went into her stash and I actually had one. Then I begged built bars to become a sponsor because it's like eating a candy bar. The coconut cream or mint brownie is much. Mind-boggling. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code BECK. You'll get $10 off your first order. Use the promo code BECK. $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Just don't tell my wife I told you. You know, we've got to get Carly Fiorina on uh, because she just came out and she said she's voting for Joe Biden because we just can't have Donald Trump in office anymore. And I don't know what the hell she's even thinking. I mean, here she was somebody that was for... Uh, was for uh, Cruz. And now, with, with what we're facing with Marxism, I, uh, what? Stephen Moore is with us now. Do you understand that, Stephen? That Carly Fiorina would... Yeah. Hey. Uh, but I that's was, crazy. I, you know, by the way, I, I, uh, I was, <laughs> before I got started working with uh, Donald Trump, 
back in uh, late 2015. I was actually advising Carly on the economy. I like Carly a lot personally. I think she's lost her mind. I I think that... uh, I think that Joe Biden would call, you know, my, my uh, son who's 20 and he, he was talking to me uh, this weekend. He's saying, you know, dad, this will be the first time I vote. And he said, you know, I'm having a tough time here. He said, if I vote for, you know, Donald Trump, we're going to have four years of chaos and rioting in the streets. And he said, if I vote for Joe Biden, we're going to have four years of a great depression. And I said, well, that, <laughs> that might be the, tra- the choice, but there is no question about the second. If Joe Biden is elected president, Glenn, and he puts in place, and you've got Nancy Pelosi as speaker, we will have a second Great Depression. There is no doubt in my mind. The left is, uh, when it comes to economics, uh, they want to raise taxes. They want to get rid of American energy. They want to raise entitlements. They want reparation payments. They want trillions of dollars in new entitlements. It will destroy the American economy. So for someone like Carly, who is a great CEO, a Hewlett Packard, has a good understanding of the economy, to say that I would vote for Joe Biden, I don't get it. I don't get the logic behind that. It must be personal. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, let me um, let me switch topics. So I want to talk to you about tech. Stephen, there are a lot of people who don't like Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I like Donald Trump, but there are a lot, I mean, I know a lot of people do not like Donald Trump. It's not about his personality, folks. It's not about his personality or even his behavior. It's about who can get this economy back on its feet and who can lead us out of this crisis we're in. And anyone who actually thinks that Joe Biden would be better for the American economy than Donald Trump, I personally think needs to have their head examined. Well, they're not. First of all, the the left is controlling this. I mean, Black Lives yeah. Matter. I, I did a special last night, Stephen, that the that should put the press in in some sort of constitutional prison. Uh, because of their unwillingness to tell the truth. This is all well financed by the left and by the Democratic operatives. Um, And it's it's stunning how right out there it is. These guys are part of this. If you then give them the uh, the White House and the uh, the Congress, they're going to give away the store They'll have to because they're beholden to them. Um, You have more chaos. You lose America. Forget about a depression. You lose America. I think that's right. I think that's right. By the way, the people, leaders of the Black Lives Matter are even black people. <laughs> I mean, this is an orchestra. I know. Anarchist organization that hates America, hates our Constitution. That's why they want to, you know, they want to erase our history as a nation. I mean, here we're a week away from July 4th, our Independence Day. And, and, and you know, sorry, but why is it if we are such a racist country that every single, you know, Hispanic and, and blacks all over the world want to come to the United States? Stephen, help me out on um, I think we are in real, real trouble, especially if the Democrats win. Um, The voices of conservatives are going to be lost. It's why I built the blaze, because I was I foresaw all of this stuff coming. Um, And I was just wrong on timing, but it's just about. 
What? I used to say Glenn, Glenn is over the top. I mean, he's he's too much of a conspiratorialist. And I have to say, I was wrong, and you were you saw it coming. I I didn't think that these people were that crazy. But you you know, I have to tip my hat to you. I doubted you. I thought, well, Glenn's going over the top here, you know. But now I look at the actions of these people; they are nuts. They are they, the yeah, most crazy lunatic ideas that would have been laughed at three or four years ago are now mainstream liberal. I mean, my goodness, they want to tear down the statues of, of Grant, of Jefferson, of Washington, of Theodore Roosevelt, Winston Churchill. Some of the greatest people who walked on the planet are somehow racist or bigots or, you know, by the way, you know, you are winning an argument with the left. This is Moore's rule. OK, go on. You know, you are winning an argument with the left when they resort to calling you a racist because they've run out of arguments. So they just, re, you know, resort to, oh, you're a racist. Well, now, uh, I don't know if you saw, but there is the, the same group of people are now taking on Facebook and they are saying you have to hunt down racist and you have to start banning them, demonetizing them and silencing them more than they already are. Um, and this is of grave concern of mine. And on top of it, the right and I know you just wrote an article for Fox on this. Uh-huh. The right yeah. is coming out and saying, well, we should we should regulate them. That's the worst idea we could do. Yeah, I am so glad that you and I are of like mind on this, Glenn, because, uh, you know, a lot of our conservative friends, you know, think that was crazy that I wrote that article. Now, let, let me kind of state my position. First of all, do I think that Google and Amazon and Facebook and Twitter have uh, left wing, um, you know, uh, biases. And uh, do I think that they give 90 percent of their money to Democrats? Yes, they do. And do I agree with their political positions? No, I don't. I think they they are taking, um, you know, they're uh, arming a lot of uh, people who are opposed to our conservative ideas. So they do discriminate against conservatives. I'm not denying that one bit. What I'm saying is that the Internet, first of all, if it had not been for our great technology companies and, you know, whether you like the politics of Google or Apple or Amazon, they're amazing companies. They're trillion dollar companies that are leading the world. And the, the only people who will benefit if we take down Amazon and Google and Facebook and, uh, you know, companies like Apple and, and Microsoft are the Chinese. Right? I mean, China is behind this plot to try to break up high tech because they want companies like Huawei and TikTok and others to take the supreme position that we now have. That's point number one. Point number two, we never could have even gotten through this crisis of the last three months had it not been for our amazing technology companies, not just the big five, but thousands and thousands of innovative technology companies that made it possible for us to to continue with our with our work for many of us, you know, from our homes or remotely. Uh, It's just been an amazing thing. And so let's not punish companies for being successful. I hate that idea. So here's what has to happen, though. Um, I mean, they are becoming more powerful than the government. I, I don't know who's more powerful. And the Constitution does not apply to them. It only applies to the government. And I don't think the one thing I can say, I don't think our founders ever considered corporations being more powerful than the king or the government. 
Um, and so there is really no protection against them. They can do whatever they want. They can silence whoever they want. We have to give stop giving them special protection. They they have all the rights that are afforded to any company, but they shouldn't be receiving any special rights or any special protections from the government. I certainly agree with that. You know, and I, I would say this, though, that, you know, you and I have talked before about this, that the worst president. I think you know, I wonder if you still believe this, but I believe that well, the worst president in American history was Woodrow Wilson, who gave us. The, <laughs> you know, the, Can't shake me from that train. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, so Woodrow Wilson was the one who was behind all these quote. People forget this is what we're seeing now is only the second radical progressive movement. The first progressive movement was during the period of, of Theodore Roosevelt and uh, and uh, Woodrow Wilson. And Wilson was the one who basically took and tried to break up all of America's great companies. There is a mythology in history. People are not learning the right American history, Glenn, you know this, the, the idea that Henry Ford and John D. Rockefeller and uh, Carnegie and these amazing, amazing Americans who built this country are robber barons is crazy. I mean, it's, it's they are the people who built the railroads, built our energy industry, built our banking system and made America the great country that we are. That Henry Ford is how is Henry Ford a robber baron? He provided half of our country with automobiles. So my point is, you've got if you've got companies that are giving things that people want, how can Google be a monopoly? Google doesn't cost me anything. I can go on Google and find any information I want for zero. They don't even charge me for it. I mean, how is that raising prices on consumers? How is that monopoly behavior? Well, they can put out, you know, the, I hear from a lot of businesses that say, you know, like um, uh, Amazon, they take uh, your product, then they make a product like it and they put you out of business. Um, you know, there are complaints like that. And Google has a mon- Google has a monopoly because they have the ability to buy anybody. Uh, and so no one can come against them. That's what you're saying, Glenn, is that they're too successful. And, you know, look, I mean, there's no such thing as being a company being too successful. We have five companies in America today that are trillion dollar companies, uh, or at least they were before the financial this financial crisis hit. And. You know, think about every American as a shareholder in these companies. Every American is, uh, you know, they employ uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't find that to be a problem. And by the way, if you don't like what Google is doing or Facebook, I don't have a Facebook account. Did you know that, Glenn? Because I, I don't like Facebook. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't trust them. But, but nobody puts a gun to your head and says you have, have to have a Twitter account or that you have to have a Facebook account or you have to have Google. If you don't like them, don't use them. And incidentally, I guarantee you, Glenn, when you and I are talking five or six years from now, there's going to be other companies that are going to displace these companies from the top, you know, from the top of the heap. That's capitalism. I'm not sure I believe that. I don't think anybody's going to dethrone uh, Google in five years. I just don't think so. With the algorithms that is coming and AI, I mean, I think you and I disagree on the dangers of AI, but I'm telling you, I'm right on this one, too. Uh, the, the AI is going to change everything. And they it is it's uh, mind control uh, possibilities of AI are are going to change absolutely everything, Stephen. I mean, uh, and and I don't I don't want the government to have all of that power. I don't want uh, 
uh, Google to have all that power. I don't know how to get rid of it, but we have got to think out of the box here. And we will agree on one thing. Stop giving Google special protection and Facebook and everybody else and don't regulate. If you regulate that will ju- they have all the money in the world to buy all the regulation that That's they right. want and they will regulate it in their favor. And then we're really screwed, really screwed. That's why we have the big three automakers and we put great companies like Auburn out of business. I'm, I'm with you completely there. And, you know, I think that when we remember, it wasn't so long ago then that the Internet was really getting going. And what made America the supreme power you see, I just see this as a bit of a more nationalistic thing. Thank God that Google and Facebook and Amazon and Apple are American companies, not Chinese companies or German companies. Or I mean, these other countries would love to have companies like ours. And in fact, they're the ones who are saying that they're monopolies. They're trying to tax our companies. I think we have to stand up for American companies. But I also think we need competition. And that's the magic of the free enterprise system. If somebody else can come along and, and create a new, uh, you know, a better mousetrap. Uh, and the other thing is, you are so right. What happens, this is the course of history. What happens over time, folks, is that the regulated control the regulators. Right? Mm-hmm. And so it becomes a game. And they stop all competition. Protecting. Yes, they're protecting the incumbent powers rather than the little yeah. guy on the street that's coming by to try to, you know, that's why big business tends to support regulation. All right. Stephen Moore, thank you so much. Um, appreciate okay. uh, your time. listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. This is the Glenn Beck program. David Horowitz is a good friend of the program. I discovered him through his book, Radical Son, uh, and also his really amazing work on something called Discover the Networks. Uh, If you want to understand how the left works, Discover the Networks is one of the most important tools on the Internet today. Uh, David Horowitz joins us. He's the author of a new book called Blitz. Trump will smash the left and win. Blitz by David Horowitz. Oh, David. Can you believe we're here at this point? You believe we're here, David? Uh, You know, I've been warning about this for 30 years, but um, I know. I know that's been one of the hardest. It's been one of the hardest things when it started to happen, because you've been warning for 30. I've been warning for about 15. And uh, you always hoped. I mean, I had this hope that I was wrong. And now that it's here, it's let me start with this question, David, before we get in the book. What is the thing that the left is afraid of? What should we do? Because I know they want violence. What should we do? What would be the thing that they would be like, oh, crap, not that? Yeah, I would like to see 100 Republican legislators refer to the Democratic Party as a racist party, as a seditious party, as a totalitarian party, uh, and treat them not quite as badly as they treat Republicans. I mean, you have Nancy Pelosi accusing the Republicans murdering uh, this guy, George Floyd. We don't even know. This is such a hoax, this race thing. We don't even know uh, that there was any racial element involved in the killing of uh, 
Oh, we don't even know how he died. There hasn't been an investigation. There hasn't been a trial. Four guys, four cops are accused of murder, of murdering George Floyd. One of them is African-American. Another is Asian-American. How is there a racial element involved there? And you could go through all of these cases. But you and I both know, David, you and I both know that this is just an excuse. This is this is so well planned and coordinated with Black Lives Matter, which is not a charity. It is a it's a corporation and a global corporation. That's why this is happening all over the world. This was very well planned. Fidel Castro communists and they and, right. and all, their money doesn't go to black people. All the millions, there are hundreds of millions they raise goes to the Democrat Party, which is totally yes. in their pocket. It, I, I, um, I think the Democrat Party would collapse the way it has on this. I mean, you know, there were signs with putting Ilhan Omar on the Foreign Affairs Committee where she has top security clearance. Um, but I have to say, I'm, I, even I was shocked by this. Uh, so, David. For 30 or 40 years. I know. know. Um, Voices like yours used to do these lectures on Fox. Um, You know, everybody was calling them liberals. Right. And so they were, you know, participants in our society instead of enemies of it. Well, they, it was uh, just a few years ago, it was racist to call anybody a Marxist, but now all of the Marxists are coming out and, and saying it and, and doing exactly what I said. They would, they would take the mask off. They were waiting to tell you, yes, I'm a Marxist, and your system is ugly and will destroy it. Um, David, give me some hope here. It's the best thing. that What's happened, though, is they, they have come out of the closet in a – way too big a way. Um, most Americans, you know, they don't, um, unfortunately, listen to the blaze. They don't read Discover the Networks yeah. or all the books I've written on the left. Um, but this is dramatized. What a menace they are. They're a threat to everybody. Um, yeah. They're gangsters. They're criminals. And uh, like I say, I just wish the Republican Party was speaking yeah, with the same voice that Trump does. And he's a little bit, um, uh, has his hands tied in a way because he's the president. And, uh, and so, you can't leave it to one man alone to fight this battle. I mean, we have so, so wait, people, but not enough. David, David, give me, give me why you say in your book that Trump will smash uh, the left and win. Tell me what he should be doing today. Because there's a lot of people now saying, you know, Joe Biden, you know, at least the chaos will stop with Joe Biden. It'll be more chaos with Donald Trump. Yeah, Joe Biden is chaos. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I know. So yeah, what should Trump be I doing right Blitz. now? Yeah, my book, Blitz, is a guide to the Civil War. Um, it shows how the, Dem- the Democrats have weaponized race. Uh, virtually predicted what's happening uh, now, but it also shows why Trump, despite being the most vilified, slandered, and libeled human being in all history, has been able to prevail. Um, and right now, when I, I look at him, I, 
I, you know, they're keeping their powder dry at the White House. He has to. He can't come out. Well, he actually has, you know, at the Tulsa speech, he, you know, Joe Biden is a puppet for these criminals. Right. Um, he's, he's been pretty good. But I think they're saving, saving it for the campaign. I, you know, it's, it's so easy to write the TV ads that they will, they will put out. And because the left has been so, well, I've always said the left knows, never knows when to stop. And so they've exposed themselves in ways that they they don't quite have the resources to fight at this point. David, we we have we have only a few minutes left. Give me a, we could spend an hour on chapter two: divide, sabotage, and resist. You you outlined the nine biggest dangers to America the left poses. Um, can you give me give me just give me the one that you think is the biggest that that people are not really paying attention to? Or don't understand. Well, they, they, in their heads, they are enemies. Uh, uh, it's, it's the you know it's the title of my next book, The Enemy Within, that I actually wrote a year ago. But mm. they're enemies of America. They want to destroy America. I think they made that pretty clear. Uh, if you paid any attention to what their leaders say and, and to what they do, and the Democrats. Um, you know, have provided them cover, funding. Uh, well, you know, you look, you have Nancy Pelosi accusing Republicans of being murderers. They've accused, they're running on Trump is responsible for all the deaths in the coronavirus. Trump doesn't have any control over the health care systems. It's all run at the state levels and all the worst states, surprise, surprise, are Democrat states. Well, I think that, um, that, uh, Trump will prevail is, first of all, Americans aren't stupid. Uh, you know, they can look at these mobs and Democrats can say all they want, that they're peaceful protesters. But anybody who's watched what is going on in Lafayette Square knows that if it weren't for the National Guard there, they would climb the White House fence and burn the White House. That's their agenda. Burn it down. Uh, you know, Alinsky actually said in his infamous book that the 60s leftists were right to burn it down. In the 60s, the left used to say the cops are the occupying army in the inner cities. Mm -hmm. It's the Democrats that are the occupiers of the inner cities. My book, Blitz, starts off with why was Donald Trump who for 30 years was a major public figure. Everybody knew who Donald Trump was. Nobody was calling him a white supremacist, except maybe Al Sharpton. Um, right. So why, why did they call him a white supremacist before he even got into power? And the answer is he was a threat to their dirty little secret. They have a major scandal to hide which is the Democrats, I've said this on your show before, they control every major inner city in America, every killing field, Chicago, Detroit, Baltimore, uh, 100% and have for 50 to 100 years. So everything that's, there isn't a Republican in sight in Minneapolis or any of these cities, all these mayors are left-wing racists. Uh, the fact that they're black usually 
doesn't absolve them from being racist unless you've drunk the uh, left-wing Kool-Aid. I think that only white... Which... Which is a uh, phrase, drink the Kool-Aid uh, phrase that came from Jim Jones, which is it was a Marxist Democrat that had everybody drink the Kool-Aid. Um, well, well, so David Hor- Democrat chairman, uh, apparently, the one that killed George uh, Floyd. Insofar as he killed him, uh, you know, this was a police procedure. It didn't kill people. But if you have COVID-19, as he did, and he were high on fentanyl, which affects your lungs, Right. Nothing that Sherman could have known. Um, yeah. Uh, back, David, what, go ahead quickly. Yeah, Trump, Trump said, remember he gave a speech in Michigan during the campaign, what have you got to lose? He said to the black community, your schools are rotten, you've got crime off the charts, you don't have any jobs. That's because of the Democrats. Uh, and they understood that. And that's why mm-hmm. they call him a white supremacist. Uh, David Horowitz from the Horowitz Freedom Center. Uh, he is the author of the new book, Blitz. Trump will smash the left and win. David is a national treasure, I believe. He is one of the bravest guys. He was a radical uh, communist uh, back in the 60s found what the real intent was was not to make things better but just to uh control america he got out uh became uh very outspoken and has had a very difficult life because of it Uh, but he has never ever sat down a true national treasure david horowitz the name of the book is blitz trump will smash the left and win it's available everywhere now (laughs) 